Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Richard Thorpe. Welcome. Hello, Amy. Thank you for having me. Very nice surprise. Very, very exciting. We're introduced by one of my lovely colleagues, Michelle. So really nice to have you on board on the Focus on Why and finding out all about your why. And I've got a feeling there might be a few coming up because of the various hats that you wear. Let's, yeah, let's see where we get to. I'm, I'm, <laughs> quite looking forward to exploring this myself. <laughs> Excellent. So explain a little bit about what it is you're doing right now. Uh, so, well, right now I'm, I'm sitting at a, a National One Rugby Club in, in Tame in Buckinghamshire. Two weeks ago I was appointed the Director of Rugby of Chinna Rugby Club. I've got a big background in, in rugby, which, which we may get to. So my, my days at the moment are filled with building a team for whenever we come out of COVID-19. But I mean, essentially, I'm a I'm a coach, and I'm going to be coaching a group of men now, similar to what I do in the in the rest of my life of my working life uh, in executive coaching, performance coaching. So it's going to be a, an interesting period for me in terms of time management and uh, yeah, just sort of establishing priorities and so on, because there's a lot on the to do list right now. I can imagine. So with your executive coaching beforehand, was it always on a one to one basis? No, so uh, predominantly I, I work as a one-to-one performance coach. I work with a, a, a couple of different groups, uh, professional athletes, executives, uh, and then the next generation of future business owners, or the next generation of business owners. Um, so that's typically the family members of high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals, but typically they're still involved in their companies. And so I work with, with, with those three groups. And the realities of it are I probably spend about 80% of my time in one-to-one coaching. Uh, that's usually out of my office on Wimpole Street up in London. And the other 20% will be delivering workshops, presentations, seminars, and so on. So how did you find yourself in, as an executive coach? All right. Well, do you know what? I think, I think most people fall into executive coaching. They usually have had their own experience. They may have engaged with a coach as well. Going through that, you subsequently go, do you know what? I think I could do this quite well. <laughs> and and, I, and I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was very similar. So I'd retired from a 13-year professional rugby career in 2016. I moved into a property investment company uh, that I was running alongside my brother. And about 18 months in, I started to struggle a little bit with my transition, letting go of being a professional athlete and, uh, and just the demands of, of business, uh, of now being moving from the changing room to the boardroom and so on. It, it comes with its challenges. And I started working with a coach. And she, I, I just kind of just went straight to the top. So a company that I now work with, Cognacity, a Harley Street institution, whom specialize, focus predominantly on mental health and mental disorders, but they also have a performance arm to the business. So I actually went to Cognacity and I just said, look, who is your top performance coach? Because I, I just, I want to... I want to kind of churn through some stuff. I want to move on from being a rugby player and go become an outstanding businessman. 
And um, I was very fortunate to be able to work with, uh, with, with an outstanding coach at Audacity. And I kind of came through that process with, with no real intention of becoming a coach. I actually, and I think this is similar to you, Amy, I, I just started organically coaching other people alongside my other business activity. So I was doing some rugby coaching at a, at a rugby club and a player walked in and asked to see me in a changing room. And as he sat down opposite me, I was his head coach at the time and he was just one of our new players. He sat down opposite me and it was, it was very obvious. You, you or probably any of your listeners would be able to recognize in someone's face when something's very, very wrong. And he didn't really even need to say anything. And I just went, okay, let's spend some time together. And we, and we did. We started meeting up for a coffee once a week for an hour before training. And he came, he came through that episode in his life. And I just thought, gosh, do you know what? I got so much out of that experience. All informal, nothing in writing, or there was no, no, not even an agreement between us. It wasn't a, a coach and coachee or a therapist and a patient. It was just two friends ha- having a conversation with each other. And uh, my, my network and the people that I know obviously are in sport. And I just organically started working with other athletes that had retired from full-time professional sport uh, and were just sort, of, just sort of struggling a little bit with where they're going now. And I got about six months in and thought, you know what, there's a business here. And I love it. And yes, property is very much still there for me, but I, I don't work in it day to day anymore. I, I, I leave that to my brother and our, our team at our office in Nicebridge. And I do some opportunistic business development for them. And, and that's kind of it. Uh, I focus exclusively now on getting the best out of people. So whether that's executives, whether it's professional athletes during or after their career, uh, or, or be it uh, future business owners, or even current rugby players as a director of rugby of a rugby club, which I am now, is about getting the best out of people because there are some blockages that it's quite common that, and you start to see patterns in, particularly when you're working with similar groups, certain patterns that people follow when it starts to challenge them. And actually just being, just being given a little steer or just being that support network, or actually maybe just someone that could come in and challenge them when they need to be challenged on something, can make that difference uh, between them kind of just staying where they are or moving forward to where they have the potential to be. So it's something that you notice that the moving, I like the, the phrase you use, changing room to boardroom. And people ready for that transition because they've just been in a career that they spent their entire life growing up wanting to achieve and then they just come out of it almost overnight mm. how are they feeling mm. what, are they, what what's their plan mm. well so firstly the, the statistics are that more than half of rugby players will develop a mental disorder within the first two years of retiring that's typically a depression or an anxiety disorder uh, in football the stats are getting slightly better now it used to be 60 percent of footballers would be bankrupt within five years of retiring the, the latest stats from the Charity X Pro put it just over 40% now. Uh, so they're moving in the right direction. But still, that is outrageous for young men to have earned all that money, to have front-loaded their, life, uh, their life's earnings effectively, to have not had the advice, uh, the foresight to handle that in the correct way. And uh, it's, it, it still is about half of them go bankrupt, uh, which is quite sad. 
uh, professional cricket, uh, you're twice as likely to take your own life if you've ever played professional cricket based against the uh, standards of normal society. So there's a real need there in, in, in pro sport. And I basically work to try and smooth that curve. So when you retire to the point that you've kind of come through it, if you like, for rugby players, it's about two years, um, but you'll have this dip in the middle. And I, I try to smooth that curve because this is still a process, right? You still have to go through it like a bereavement if, until you actually cry and you get angry and, and you go through that emotional pro process. Um, it's very hard to move on. And it's the same with any transition really in life. Um, pro sports quite at the acute end of the transition spectrum, but there are many transitions that, that we go through retirement from anything. I mean, people at the end of their working careers, now they've just got time on their hands and sat in their own minds. Now it can be really hard. So, I've, I've, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I can't even remember what the original question was. <laughs> no, I think, I think you answered <laughs> all of them. It's you just have to stop me waffling. <laughs> no, please, it's, it's your space. So what I'm, what I'm seeing there, what I'm hearing are some shocking statistics. Is there any way that you can preempt and explain to people that this is what's going to happen as they're sort of nearing retirement? Yeah, I, I, absolutely there is. So the rugby players, obviously I know rugby really well. The Rugby Players Association do a very good job of putting that information out to the current players. Uh, so the current premiership players, they'll have regular meetings with an RPA representative saying, look, this is what's gonna happen. This is what you need to do in order to offset it. Go and, go and get uh, some qualifications and something. Go and find some work experience. Go and explore starting your own business. Build your network. Think outside of the game problem we have and this is where i where i kind of start to come in and this feeds into the challenge aspect of uh, of the coaching that i do is that the majority of athletes whether you're a rugby player footballer anything else you train for a few hours a day the rest of your time what are you doing you're in the coffee shop with your mates or you're at home on the playstation that's it for the majority of professional athletes you'll get a handful that will be proactive and they'll be out there building businesses, getting work experience. Um, a good friend of mine, Owen Hickey, he now runs a private equity firm in uh, Paris. Uh, but he was a professional rugby player just knocking out master's degrees. He's got more degrees than a thermometer. It's, it, he's, he's so intelligent. And he's had a full professional rugby career behind him. I mean, he would be an outlier, really. But if he can do it, there's not really any reason why the rest of them can't. So really what it is, is it's lighting that spark when, yes, you're tired from training. Yes, you need to go, go home and put your feet up. But actually, that's your opportunity to move forward with life. You know, maybe we could tie into COVID-19 and us all being in lockdown right now. Um, I think most of us are kind of starting to get a little bit like, okay, the novelty's worn off now. How many of us can honestly hold up our hand and say, we've moved, we actually took this opportunity to move forward. We leveled up during this period because we had the time to do it. Um, I mean, some people, they're, they're still working flat out and they're working really hard, but um, have you been establishing new ways of working, being innovative and creative? Because we've all had to be. And it's uh, taken it, how you react in those sorts of spaces and those sorts of events in your life. I mean, ultimately dictate, person you become in my experience 
It's interesting, the three sports that you focus on, the rugby, the football, the cricket. Now, they're all team-based sports. Do you think that people who are on sports that are individual sports fare better because they're not relying on other people? Uh, I I would say I don't have any statistics on it. I've worked with individual sportsmen. And from what I can see, it's it's just as bad. Really? Um, Because if you're an individual sportsman, let's say you're a Formula One driver. You've got an entire team behind you. It is actually a team sport. If you're a golfer, you've got your caddy next to you, but um, you go out and you play golf all day, you're going to be tired after after your day's golf. How much enthusiasm do you have to really go out and uh, pursue extracurricular activities, which they would be if you're a pro golfer, I suppose? Um, You've probably locked into your mind, well, I can play golf until I'm in my 60s and 70s or whatever it is and still get paid for it. But where's your diversification? What happens if you've got an injury? What happens if something happened? Something I'm now learning in business, particularly in, uh, in, some, in some hiccups that we've had along the way, sort of the journey of any entrepreneur, right, uh, is actually to have multiple sources of income. I, I almost... I almost cringe as I say that because so many it's just used in all of these training um, things that go on and everything else. But it, but when you actually start to start to experience its necessity, if you're just a one-trick pony, when the going gets tough, you've got nothing else supporting you. Um, all your eggs are in the same basket, and when that basket falls on the floor, uh, what are you eating? <laughs> so, at what point did you realise that this was something that you needed to embrace? So, good question. So I, so while I was, I played for a team called Leicester Tigers in my late twenties. Uh, I joined them. I was about twenty-eight years old, and I'd always been really pulled at school as well to psychology. I'd always wanted to study psychology at university. I never went to university, so I decided to go and do a, um, a certificate of higher education counselling while I was at Leicester. And at that time, I was, I, was, I was going to become a psychotherapist when I retired. I was going to go and basically go and hopefully try and get into Oxford to do their master's because uh, I'll play rugby for them or something like that. So that was kind of my thinking in the, in the back of your mind, you know, aim for the stars, you might land on the moon type approach. But I, I subsequently moved into property and the, the, the sort of allure of like, oh, I want to go make money and all of that. I kind of got sucked in by that. Um, it was when I kind of, when I decided basically to make the decision to, to step out and to go full time as a coach, I went and got trained. So I went and got my diplomas and my relative accreditations and got my hours up and all of that to get my ICF accreditation and all that sort of stuff. I, um, I was reconnecting with that time when I was at Leicester. I was like, why do I, why do I want to do that? Why do I want to help people? What's that, all, what's that all about? And I suppose what I've, what I've kind of experienced over my, over my life is that you, get, you don't get that sense of fulfillment and that overwhelming joy in life when you buy expensive things and when you have wonderful things. I've, I've had expensive cars. I've had nice watches. None of them actually made me happy. When I look back over my life, the things that have made me happy is when I've made a difference in someone else's life. There's nothing now. I've been so fortunate to have worked with some outstanding human beings. 
And whenever we cross paths now, you can just see that I, I, I played a role in that person's development. I, I, I helped facilitate his, his move forward. And it beats everything. Literally, it beats anything. You live in, a, live in the middle of nowhere, in a crap hole, and drive a nothing, ride a bike or whatever. I think you could still end up getting to the end of your life and do the Stephen Covey, like the people at your funeral. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so like, uh, imagine that you're at your own funeral. Who's there? What are they saying about you? Um, what legacy have you left? Uh, no one remembers that you were driving an Aston Martin. No one cares about that. You haven't impacted anyone else's life. It's, it's when actually you fast forward your funeral and there's so many people there because you've made a difference in so many people's lives. Um, that, that to me is purpose. Uh, that to me is why. Oh, we've done the podcast now, haven't we? Sign oh, up. Boom. Yeah, thanks very much. It's <laughs> <laughs> lovely speaking to you, have Richard. I all you, have I answered all your questions? <laughs> um, no, it's, it's fantastic. And I, and I totally understand where you're coming from because I get that feeling every day when coaching people and, and just seeing the, the sort of this transition and the growth and the exploration that people realise that they are, they are capable of what they want to achieve in whatever form that may take. It's, it's, there's, there's nothing that can beat that. It's incredible. For those people who aren't going to go into coaching and they're not an entrepreneur, what does their future look like? How do you help them work out how to transition? The easiest way to answer that, most people are aware of uh, the term fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Have a growth mindset. If you've got a fixed mindset, you're, you're not going anywhere. So just like, sit down and genuinely ask yourself, like, am I curious about the world? Do I want to understand things more? And am I actually prepared to put my own opinions to one side and listen to someone else and actually but really try and understand their perspective? It's like we, we, we all have our own perceptions, right? We've all got our own unique set of belief systems that we've learned through the course of our um, childhood and adolescence, and our perceptions of the world are all completely different. It... it if you if you if you do have a fixed mindset, you're only seeing the world through your own perspective, and having this curiosity, this I mean I'm speaking as a coach now. Obviously, I'm going to feel like that, and you'll be the same. Um, but but as a normal person who doesn't, you've got no interest actually in in working with a coach. You may, may find it all a bit fluffy or whatever it might be. It's not, by the way, if you're listening to this thinking that. Um, but is is just be interested in other people's perspectives you don't have to agree with it you don't have to agree with what other people think and what other people are saying it's how do they see the world and by doing that you might just start to shift some of your own beliefs you might just actually that's a really good way of looking at the world <laughs> uh, i might actually just explore that one because <laughs> when we when we consider it from a from a cognitive perspective like we, we always have the ability to choose how we respond. We, we, we can choose our thoughts. We can. And I mean, that's, that's CBT. So the, the branch of coaching that I do is cognitive behavioral coaching. So we go into all of this. We, we kind of explore belief systems um, and we explore thinking styles uh, and why and challenging your own thinking. Because if all of a sudden you can catch yourself You've got a, a classic mind trap where you just catastrophize all the time or you're a perfectionist or um, uh, why does all this always happen to me? 
It's like all or nothing thinking, right? Well, of course it doesn't always happen to you, but but people say that and they feel it. It's like things like this always happen to me. It's probably not actually correct. Just challenge that thought and see if there's a better one. It's not why it's not like why does this always happen to me? It's like, why is this happening to me in, in the moment? And let's explore it. Maybe there's something I can do behaviorally that could prevent it from happening again. And it's just it's a so. Long answer, another waffly answer to your question, Amy. I'm going to try and be a bit more concise. No, there's no need at all. It's great. <laughs> um, but I, I would recommend to any, anyone who's if not, he's not actually going to go and speak with a coach or uh, may read uh, a couple of good books uh, around self-development, just challenge your thinking, challenge your perceptions in the world, level up. Just always be looking to get better. Growth mindset. Don't stay where you are. Move forward. I mean, humans need, need progress. We need to feel like we're moving towards something. I mean, this is why the, 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 almost the majority of people, when they retire from their work, um, they, don't, they don't actually survive as long as what they expect. Um, because without purpose, without drive, without progression, there's not much that's kind of built in us. It's kind of what we need. Um, so, yeah. So why do you think that sportsmen and women struggle so much in those sort of two years that you mentioned after they retire, when they are all about growth and about progress and about excelling in whatever they do? Why do you think they find it hard to transition? Um, A lot of it will be uh, lifestyle related. So if you've you've been getting paid a lot of money uh, with a support system around you where you don't even need to think anymore. So when I, when I started at Leicester Tigers, uh, the director of rugby met me in a car park on my first day, 7 a.m., before anyone else arrived. Come with me. Showed me around the place. That's where you get your physio. That's where the, that's where, um, the first team change. You don't go in there until you burn it. I'm like, okay, fine. He sits me down in the, in the changing room. He says, three things. Be on time, work hard, and be a good bloke. That's all you need to do. Um, all right. Simple enough. And they had it written up on the walls. Um, it's just simplistic because to create outstanding performances on the field, you need to pull together a, a group of large egos, big characters, and get them all driven towards the same goal, all aligned together uh, so that it becomes in flow. And, it, and, and rugby can be like poetry when it's, when it's flowing properly, or it can be like a, a car crash. Uh, when, when players aren't aligned. So making things very simplistic for athletes uh, leads to higher performances on the field. The reality is this. Professional sport is a bubble and you're not exposed to the real world. So a normal person, uh, let's assume that they've gone to university. So they've left home for the first time. That's a challenging environment. They've got to be, they're living in a probably some horrible student digs. Uh, they'll get out on a piss all the time. They'll make mistakes. They'll fall over. They'll hurt themselves. They'll drink. They'll throw up and all of that. But all of that is learning, right? It's, it's part of the challenges that make us emotionally resilient. Uh, they'll then go and get a job and they'll start at the bottom making cups of tea. And they'll, they'll progress up, but then they'll get sacked. And, oh, geez. Now they have to do a career chat, blah, 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 blah. Either way, both parties, professional athletes and uh, the, the, the individuals that we were just referring to, will meet at about the age of 35. Whilst a professional athlete is highly resilient in certain areas, outstanding at teamwork, 
uh, outstanding at meeting a short-term goal. Because you all remember, we have games every week. So that, what's the next goal? Seven days' time, beat Bath Rugby Club. Right, I can work towards that. Now goals, you step in the real world. Well, goals can be five years' time. This is our target. So, uh, you're not used to operating like that as a rugby player uh, or, a professional, or a footballer or a cricketer. So there's this, there's this adjustment. So at the age of 35, you'll, you, you find that professional athletes are lacking in real-world resilience. So they just they haven't had enough failures and enough setbacks to learn because that's how you emotionally develop and grow. You don't build resilience by, by winning all the time. And I use this with my pro athletes. You say, you say, so what would you do if you won a game on the weekend? They would say, oh, I'll go out the piss. And we'd, we'd get the morning off on the Monday. You come in and you start training Tuesday. All right. What do you do when you lose the game that you should have won? The one that really hurts. They go, no one goes out to drink. Everyone's in Monday morning, 6 a.m. doing the video analysis. And we, and we learn and we improve. So I then turn around and say, so what you're telling me is when you win, you don't improve. When you lose, you improve. So what actually do we want to encourage into our lives if, we were, if our goal is to get better? Because that is, that is how you build emotional resilience. That is how you learn. You learn that's how a baby learns to walk. It falls over a thousand times. Um, and firstly, athletes haven't fallen enough. And secondly, they're not used to falling. And now they're 35 uh, or, or, or older or younger. And it's harder. Your boss is probably six, seven, eight years younger than you because uh, he's more experienced. He's been in the game longer. You've still got to start at the bottom. You think you're told all these things. I'll like, oh, build a good network and, yeah, chat to all the guys in hospitality and they'll sort you out with a job. The reality is they'll, they'll bring you in for six months, but ultimately everyone forgets that you're a rugby player after six months. Can you deliver? End. <laughs> so I'll speak to guys that are like, yeah, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about going into stockbroking. Why? We can earn a lot of money. What do you think life starts like as a stockbroker in reality? How hard do you think those guys work? How many, how many times a day are they told no? It's hard emotionally as well as physically to be a stockbroker. Um, guys want to go into recruitment. If you want to be a really successful recruiter, gosh, have you got to work hard? Gosh, if you've got to, you've got to put in, there's this like illusion, it seems, to rugby players. Ah, oh, you can earn 70, 80 grand a year as a recruiter. Reality is you'll start on about 20, 23. Um, and it's only if you're shit hot that you're going to be getting the big commissions and, and so on. And so you'll also find that athletes churn their jobs. They'll do one for three or four, five, six months. And they go, nah, I don't like this. And they move a job. So that takes, in order for them to kind of come to this awareness and acceptance that life's different, I don't know it all, I do need to work hard, but also like start at the bottom. That takes about two years to get to that point. So I try and fast forward them, uh, but it is a process. You do need to go through this. You do need, you know this, you're a coach. You can't tell people what to think and how to view the world. They have to come up with it. And, and it's, a journey, it's a process in order to learn, lead them to that so that they, it comes to them and they, they understand it because then they take ownership of it, right? Uh, if I told you something now, it's not yours. 
if we have a conversation and you say it, you own it, it's yours now. You're going to do it, you're going to believe it. So what's your vision? Where are you looking to, to take this business and, and the space and to improve on the mental health of sportsmen? There is no institution or centralised company that handle transitioning athletes like globally across sport. It's globally across sports, I mean. So the Rugby Players Association do a great job with the resource they have available, they're doing an outstanding job in helping rugby players. Uh, the PFA, the Professional Footballers Association, do a really good job. Uh, they've got some, their charity X Pro do a great job, but it's within the resources that they have. So, my original plan three years ago, two years ago, um, was effectively to try and like collaborate, bring bring these let's share resources, let's let's solve this as a problem. It's not about let's make it non-profit because um, it's a problem that needs to be solved because if we can do it in pro sport, that model will be replicable, It'll be very similar for the army. Uh, it would be very similar for people being made redundant like, because it's all, it's all the same process because we're, we're all the same animal. We're all human beings, right? Everyone's unique and individual within it, of course. But I've, I've kind of stepped away from that a little bit. I, I, I work with athletes but I, I work with other people as well. So my, my long-term vision will be in, will at the moment, it looks like it will be in professional sport. It's maybe a director of rugby of a team in a higher league than national one, but I'll always be coaching. So I haven't dropped a single client. I'm still taking clients on, uh, on a one-to-one -one basis. I'll still be out delivering seminars and so on. But how can you impact the most people? If, if, if what you're about is helping people or getting the best out of people, how can, you, how can you do that on as big a scale as possible? You've got to be the person at the front of the room. You've got to be the person speaking at the events. You've got to be the person being invited onto podcasts, such as Focus on Why. <laughs> and you've, uh, you've got to maybe be putting literature, literature out there that's, that's credible. It's not, just a, it's not just written as a life story or something. It's, it's researched and it's... Um, it, it, it would be usable within a master's degree or something. Uh, that sort of stuff will, will actually make a difference and, and change things. So I can't, I kind of waffled again, haven't I? <laughs> no, you need to stop apologizing because that's, that, that's how this podcast works. I ask a question and then I yeah. just let the guests go off on, on their yeah. sort of tangent. I mean, so to, to answer the question, because I know I did waffle a bit, Fast forward 20 years from now, I'm going to be still working my socks off to get the absolute best out of people. End. And why are you going to be doing that? At the moment, it's athletes. And at the moment, it's executives and, um, and uh, high net worth families and, and, and so on. That may shift. Probably won't. Because, I've, because I've, I, I relate personally to all of those groups. Um, so I did just jump, carry on. And you had just asked if, well, I know I just asked why that was important for you to be doing that still in 20 years' time. I think it ties into what I was saying earlier on about how would your funeral be, Stephen Covey, yeah. whatever the chapter was. Um, I would want to be at my funeral with people in that room that I, I had made a difference in their lives, that their lives are better for me having been on the planet 
in whatever small sort of way, this is something I was saying a couple of, couple of years ago when I was like justifying this new career to my parents, for example, um, whom, whom challenged me on it. Uh, and my friends did as well. I had to meet a lot of challenge with this career. Why, why? Uh, what, do you, what do you know about coaching? How are you going to get paid? Or how do you find clients? Um, don't you know the statistics? Oh, God, well, this is going to be really hard. Are you sure? Like any, any entrepreneur starting any business, that's what you face. <laughs> you're, you're always, the people closest to you want the best for you. Um, so they're going to challenge you on it. Or that's certainly been my experience anyway. And I'll say to them this, look, uh, I want to get to the end of my life having, having improved the world in a, a small little way, tiny little way. I want to be a net gain to the world, not just neutral or a net loss. And I think my previous mindset, when I just came, when, being completely honest now, my, my mindset when I retired from rugby was, let's go and do something where I can make as much money as I can. That's being completely honest. Uh, I don't have the same view anymore. Uh, it's not how I see the world. It's, um, I think if you're outstanding in what you do, you'll be financially compensated for it. And I don't get me wrong, I love nice things. <laughs> but that's not the purpose. That's not the why. What was the shift change behind that? Um, I think seeing a bit of failure. So when I we retired, sorry, I retired from rugby, we turbocharged with our business, set up a, um, uh, a debt lending business. So we're lending our own money and investors' capital, family office capital uh, to property developers and establishing a, a, a company that was going to roar ahead. And, yeah, this, there's actually a specific example which has come to me. Um, I ended up in a boardroom uh, at, a, at a big, uh, large institution uh, that do uh, forward funding. And the deal that I was pulling together there was substantial. Uh, it was a hotel in London. And we, we actually, we weren't putting any of our own capital into it. We were just uh, brokering the transaction. But I sat in this room, having done three months' work exclusively, literally three months full time on this deal. And the CEO walked in, in the middle of our meeting, and he said, we're pulling the plug. We're overexposed in this area of our investment portfolio. I just went, can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> no, no, I won't. <laughs> um, and um, that was kind of a moment for me where I just thought, why am I doing this? I've broken myself to get to this stage. Yeah, had that CEO had a different answer, I would have made a lot of money. But it wasn't worth, it's not worth it. And it's, I think it kind of links again into, it's failure that where you really start to realize what's important to you is when you lose. And I say this to my clients all the time, why are you afraid of losing? Losing is when you grow. That's when you, that's when you, that's when you move forward. Like go out, go out and just like expand yourself because the reality is this. If you're living in your own little comfort zone bubble, you ain't going to make mistakes, but you certainly aren't going to grow. As soon as you push out of your comfort zone, you move into unknown territory, right? Um, when you're in unknown territory, phrases like you don't know what you don't know come up <laughs> and, and so on. Um, but it's true. And you will make mistakes. So depending on what mistakes are, typically you'll see if you are making some errors, 
but it's because you're pushing. You're pushing your boundaries. My suggestion to you is that you're probably bang on target. Just keep going because you're, you're in the right space. You're not in your comfort zone. You're out, outside of it. And if you're really going to move, progress, you need to fail. Go and read any, any autobiography of a successful entrepreneur. What do they talk about? They don't talk about how great they are. They talk about all their failures. All the businesses that they had tried and that just fell flat on their face. How many businesses has Richard Branson started over, the, over his years? He's gone bankrupt. Well, not bankrupt, but like, he's had considerably more of his businesses fail than those that have succeeded. And, and, and that's common ground for successful entrepreneurs. Um, again, I can't remember the original question. <laughs> Uh, it's been it's been uh, incredible, and I think that you probably owe a big thank you to that CEO one day for changing your whole life. Well, do you know what? You you're probably spot on. Uh, I probably do. Yeah. Well, Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I've really enjoyed hearing your why, um, your your sort of your purpose, your passion has certainly shone through throughout, which is amazing. And I wish you all the best with your know, new directorship role, oh, which sounds fantastic. Yeah. Tell me, or how people, how would people connect with you? Where do you hang out on social media? Yeah, I mean, like you can go on. Our website at Cognacity, contact details there, uh, cognacity.co.uk. Uh, you can reach out to me personally. I'm, I'm on all social media handles, Richard J.A. Thorpe, all one word, uh, across Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can always, it's quite a good way to get in touch, actually. And I mean, and why, and why would you? I mean, like, I, so, I'm, so I'm a coach, I facilitate workshops. Uh, also, if you're, if you're an outstanding pro rugby player, I've currently got a team that, <laughs> that I'm trying to, I'm currently recruiting for, so get in touch. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't think I count on that, on that server half there. Rely <laughs> on others to reach out on that basis. So please, could you leave the audience with a call to action or a final piece of, of Richard Thorpe genius? Oh, gosh. Right. Okay. <laughs> Put you on the spot um, now. Oh, God, yeah. you, you had said to prepare something there, hadn't you? <laughs> If I, I mean, I'd have to reflect over our conversation there. So if I were to come up with, with one thing, you have to be challenge yourself. And I don't mean challenge yourself to like go bungee jumping. I mean, challenge your thinking. Whenever a thought comes into your mind, recognize it, challenge it. What is that about? Is there a better opportunity? Is there a, a better option than that thought? Because our thoughts drive everything got nothing to do with the events. It's all about our perception of the events, which is happening up here in the cognitive part of your body. <laughs> so challenge your thinking. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.